consistency. Consistency is key. I'm pretty sure you've heard that at one point or another, and it's very, very true. Being consistent, you know, requires a long-term commitment from you, and uh, it's a sustained effort in doing what you're doing repeatedly until you achieve your goal. You know, there's a discipline that's required for that, but it pays off in the end. If you give up, you don't make it to the end, you know, and uh, success comes from consistency and discipline and doing the work even when you don't want to do it, you know, when you're not motivated, you got to motivate yourself, you got to make it happen, and uh, once you get the ball rolling, things are so much easier. I know a lot of things seem difficult at first, but once you get them going, I promise things get easier. Uh, My guest today, he definitely has consistency down. With over 56k subscribers on YouTube, if there was a Mount Rushmore of comic content creators, Tom is on there. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode with a good friend of mine. We all know him as Comic Tom, and if you don't know him, you're definitely going to know him after this episode. What a joy. What a fantastic conversation we had. So stoked, Tom Garcia. Thanks for having me on, Ruben. Um, our paths have crossed a few times over yeah. the last few years, and yeah. you've been such a supporter of the show, so it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> Can we get into the background of, like, how did you get into comics, for those that don't know? So, like, oh, and my cat's going to join us on and off. He's missing oh. me. I just got home. So. Butch? Yeah, Butch, the comic there guy. There you go. Come over here. Say hi. Um, well, I'll give you the crash course, like real quick. Uh, my dad, it's all his fault. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he really wants to be part of the video today. Yeah, um, there you go. My dad, uh, he was in one of the first nerd rock bands, you know, like he okay. played drums in a, in a group called Ookla the Moth. You can check him out on Spotify. He was in a nice. few, um, uh, he was on a few of the albums in the early days and they would sing songs about aquaman and the enterprise and oh Earth nice night and uh mr potato head all these cool <laughs> things and i grew up with him reading a lot of vertigo he would he would read yeah. me uh, constantine and jla and yeah probably stuff i probably shouldn't have been reading at that time but it all worked out and um around the time i was like nine eight no shoot i guess when i was like seven he was actually working at a comic book store it's like right around that time um, I was a toddler and we had a apartment that was rented behind the store and the yeah. owner of the store rented the apartment above it. So I would have full access to a comic store every day of the week, especially on weekends to play magic, the gathering and D and D and read anything that was on the shelf. And it was like, it was my store, you know, I was a kid yeah. at a candy store, but instead it was a comic book store. And um, I got a lot of, uh, I got introduced to bone, you know, in that way. And yeah, just um, Smith. Mm, my cat's uh, very excited to see me. <laughs> um, so, let's go, folks. Uh, so uh, what would end up happening is the store owner would quit comics, as some stores uh, tend to do. Uh, you know, they kind of want to do something different. Um, by the end of the story, that same owner would actually start a new comic book store and join in on whatnot and is now very active. Um, yeah. But I digress. Um, at the time, you know, I was like really little and my dad and mom would um decided to buy the store when he sold it yeah. and we would drive across the country to California with two semis and they were filled with everything you can think of it was over, wow. over a thousand lawn boxes and 
Um, or maybe that's like exaggeration, like closer to 500 lawn boxes, but magic cards, boxes of magic cards, toys, yeah. t-shirts, yeah. I mean, like a giant store. And yeah. his goal was to open a comic book store on the West Coast. And uh -huh. when we actually settled, he has never done anything in business, you know, running a comic book store, you got to run it like a business, right? And um, it, is, it is a business. And yeah. he got a bunch of books on how to do it. And one of the books were actually specific about comic book stores. You know, he was learning about finances and how to do accounting and things like that. But also, you know, he got like one of those uh, how to open a comic book store for dummies books, which exists. I got to I got to get him one for, for Christmas at some point or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, the first page he showed me because I'd always ask him like, Dad, when are we going to start the comic store? Because I, I wanted it again. I wanted to have another comic book store. And he told he showed me that page. I'll never forget it. And it said, uh like something like 95% of the comic book stores like open this year will be closed by the end of the year. So he's like, Tom, we're not opening a comic book store. That makes no sense. <laughs> so instead he's like, Hey, there's a thing called a comic book convention. It's at century field um, in Seattle. Yeah. You know, we lived uh, North of Seattle and that would be, that would be a convention that would eventually become Emerald city comic con. Um, wow. Since I was, uh, you know, like 11 years old, 12, 13, like, all throughout up until I could drive, basically, I would go with my dad and deal comic books. Um, it was how we paid rent and then a mortgage. It was how we put food on the table. Um, you know, it was uh, the way that we survived out here in Washington. And I hated it. It was not my favorite thing. Um, I, I liked the comics, but I didn't collect comics. And I also, yeah. um, my fingers would hurt, you know, having to lug long boxes yeah. around. I was waist really, really small and scrawny as a kid. Um, I'm still not the biggest guy, but it's a lot easier to lift comic books. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I was around it my whole life and especially like all throughout my teenage years. Cause that's what I did to help support the family. And I learned a lot about comics. And I think the big thing that I took from that was the, the network that my dad built over the, that decade that he was doing it hard. Um, he would meet, uh, John Hill from Hills of comics. who has one of the largest stores to this day in Washington state in Renton. Yeah. Um, he would meet, Russ Bright, the comic sensei. And yeah. that's how we would end up like, I would, I would meet these individuals, families. And then Harley Yee was someone I would always see at, at shows and say hi to mm -hmm. even like nerdy girl towards the, you know, later in my life, I would see her at shows before we, I even had an Instagram account. So like I was around the con scene yeah. and then in my twenties, you know, just like wanting to get away from working a full-time job, something I didn't really care for. And I really had a passion for comic books again. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go in all go all in on that. And, you know, I started a YouTube channel and it went well. And that's that kind of like, there's, all, there's some spots in there that I skipped, but yeah. now, now we're yeah. here and I love comics, you know? <laughs> and I hired my dad and he's back into comics now. Your dad, like, that, that's so cool that you both have that relationship, you know? that That's that's so cool that you have Dude. that thing. I, I feel like it's a rare thing, you know? So I, I, I admire that, that's so cool. And And, and not only that, but like the group that you have around you, like, it just seems like so, so genuine, you know, like, actually, I was laughing at some posts that you had recently put up where like, uh, it was like you and in, in a golden age guru, and you guys had a donkey like in the, the I don't even know what's going on there. But <laughs> there was like, a yeah, yeah like, uh, it was like a live auction or something. And like, it was it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. We got, you know, comic books it brings everybody together from all <laughs> walks of life you know like everybody's different different like you know from every like literally everything from all around the world different political leanings religious beliefs just everything 
and yeah. we put everything aside and, and when we get together we're just like getting hyped about a vf copy of a bronze age luke cage hero for hire you know like we're all getting really hyped about the same thing um the guru has like a farm he's got horses yeah. he's got donkeys uh-huh. he's care of you know he's got it's like a bunch of animals and um it's it's a it's a thing his family it's a it's a whole thing and if you follow him on instagram uh-huh. you'll see more of that so we'll do like a live show over there sometimes and then like his donkeys just like come inside sometimes i'm like oh yo it's cool really it's chill, huh? so yeah there's yeah like, he's not not you know i i it's funny it's like oh there's donkeys in the room we're not i'm not calling my friends a bunch of asses or something like that you know like those actual donkeys <laughs> in the room you know big donkeys and they like to chill with us but yeah it's it's cool we have a lot of fun it's cool that's how the whole channel really started you know like the the idea was never to really grow something to you know that would be super popular you know mm-hmm. in the comic space the uh goal initially you know it's changed since then but the initial goal was i just want to like bring my homies to the table instead of us talking in the kitchen we're talking here about the comics oh yeah. do you see the sale look at gpa look at what's in overstreet did they change that like we have all those conversations so often that i was like let's just do that on the at the table and the main thinking behind that was you know we we all know the dealer grind of prepping for a comic convention and then going to perform at the comic convention and then getting yeah. that inventory back home. It's, it's so much work. And a lot, and unless you've actually yeah. purchased a table and done that um, artists and writers, um, you know, going and doing setup at a convention is very similar. Um, but like the amount of prep work and, and labor, how labor intensive it is. And then to have a show that's just not go well and end up actually only really selling to other dealers because no one shows up like that's like a real thing that happened all growing up it still happens to this day dealers know what i'm talking about so i had this idea like let's just go and make content and entertain our friends because those dealers are going to go home and have to reorganize they're gonna have to press they're gonna have to price they're gonna have to you know go through their back issue because they back issue bins because they just saw comics that they know they had on other dealers walls and they're like oh my gosh i have so many copies of those i gotta go get, and get those i gotta find those those are hot now so i'm like oh what if we just like made content that those individuals can listen to while they're doing all of this what i think the like normies would look at as like painstakingly tedious work and but but we love it you know like you know if you're into comics you know you want to touch that paper you want to like smell that mold sometimes you know it's weird but um that, that's how it all started was to just kind of entertain my homies and, and people I looked up to and dealers that I was learning from and kind of just spiraled into what it is now. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've owned a comic book, a brick and mortar store for seven years now. You uh, own a Meta store? Comics. Yeah, MetaHumans. Yeah, that's oh, my store. Oh, snap. I did not know you own a store. Damn, you do a yeah. lot of stuff, man. Like when, I, yeah. when we first met, you sent in stuff to the show and it was just a bunch of skating stuff. Yeah, because you're a uh-huh. professional skateboarder, and I was, yeah. Uh-huh. Did you? And you, you must have sent that in because at some point I mentioned that I'm a skater as well. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw you were skating in a, in a. Uh, it was like a story clip on uh, Instagram. I was like, dude, like we have even more in common, like you know. So yeah, so I sent that in, and then I sent like a, a couple of variants in to you that were actually store store exclusive from my shop, and uh, but yeah, I've had a store. Actually, yeah. we were we were nominated for the. Oh, there we go. I don't think cool, anybody ride girl skateboards, right? I, it's my favorite. There you go. Dinner. Uh-huh. Um, but yo, I don't think anyone really knows, but I love skating. I don't do it nearly as much as I used to, but I used to do it. Like I had uh, friends who had half pipes in their, in their garage growing up. And yeah. We saw like skating stuff. So you must've heard awesome, that at one point, but I actually want to put it up. 
There's a lot of skaters yeah. in the community. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I still, I still skate. I just don't like, um, I just don't like break myself off for like companies and stuff anymore. I just do it for my own, for my soul, and you know what I mean. Like, I exercise and just have fun. I'm just the simple act of just cruising to me is enjoyable. Like, I don't even have to do tricks really to enjoy it. Like, I just love. I just love the feeling of riding, just like you. Just like love the feeling of just cruising and riding. It's just, just getting from point A to point B like that. And the way you get there is like it's kind of like art in a way. Like because you might take a different route than someone else, and you want to see Absolutely. this and go over here. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I always will. I got um, a penny board and a lawn board for those moments. And then when I yeah. really get an itch, I'll start going to a skate park or something, and I'll go into yeah. like. And then I realize, oh, that's why I don't do this anymore. <laughs> I will hurt myself, and then it's like, oh, what did I, what did I doing? What am I doing? Here? My store got nominated for uh, like the Spirit of Eisner Award, and uh, literally, like when we were nominated, like uh, MetaHumans was next to Russ's store, Milky Comics. So our logos were next to each other oh, too, snap. and I always tripped out on that. It's like there's always like this thing, this connection, you know. And it's like, so yeah, I've had the store exactly what you were saying right now about like being there and, and selling on the show floor at conventions or owning a brick and mortar store. I've, like i've done it all you know what i mean mm -hmm. i've even like sold i've even, i used to run booths for for valiant too for valiant comics for a while i used to like run their booths no so like, i've done yeah i've done like i've been involved with like art production for like different things and then doing store variants like you have um you know for your mystery mail call uh, I work with artists and we've done store exclusives with like, you know, Dynamite and Marvel and DC. I think everybody at this point I work with now. So like I've I've done like every little thing. So I, I understand everything. Like when you guys talk about, you know what I mean? Like I literally understand, you know? Yeah. The weird thing because so. like unless you're in the practice of working with the industry that close, it's it's a tough thing to even communicate over the mic what yeah. the comic industry is actually like. I think people have their own perspective based off of what they see just kind mm -hmm. of like on the surface, you know? Oh, yeah. you know, what does it mean if if titles are getting canceled? And what does it mean if these numbers are the numbers they are, you know? How do variants actually affect the, the market? And it's like when you're actually involved in the creative process and like doing some of these things, you, it's just a different view. And yeah. really I think you, ha you have to kind of hold a different respect and patience for, mm -hmm. for the comic book industry. Um, Especially if it's like, you know, if you own a store like you do, I didn't know you own a store. So that's, that's pretty damn cool, yeah. man. Um, uh, so I much respect and congrats on the success. It's, it's a lot of work, you know what I mean? Having a, uh, especially going seven years plus, it's a lot of work to, to have a store and to run brands and to do different things. And, and, and so I, I admire a lot of what you do because I know that people see the end product of what you put out for those that are listening. I mean, Tom has an absolute amazing YouTube channel that, um, I subscribe to, and it's extremely informative and honestly, I rely on it. Like, I mean, like, like I, I understand the pressure of like, when like you don't put out an episode and you have people that like are expecting to, you know, that's part of their ritual. Like, you know, if you really think about it, Tom, like some people like eat their lunch or their dinner to like watching you religiously give the top 10 of what the top 10 hottest comics are in the world. So you're like a big part more a big part of people's lives than you could have ever imagined in a lot of way, you know, and, and, and it, you don't just like put out the videos. Like you, there's a lot of editing that goes into the things you do. Like, like it, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work in, into the uh, videos that you put out. The I appreciate graphics, you that, yeah. <laughs> everything, <laughs> the music, um, 
it's like full scale little mini productions every time you're doing a video and, and it's yeah it's a lot of work so i can i salute you for that because i i know what it takes and uh yeah i mean keep doing a, a remarkable job you're doing i mean it, it's i i don't even know if you want to get into like the logistics of of how because people don't know you know what i mean like what it really takes to put out like let's say a video you know what i, I mean like give you a rundown of what what it's like every yeah. weekend um yeah well you mentioned the trending video so let's stick with that one um that's yeah. probably uh, the bigger one that i'm known for and it kind of fell on my plate i didn't realize i was going to be doing it every week of my life and i have for a long time i've been doing yeah. it four years yeah. um yeah i've never missed a week um that, that's and, what i'm talking about so uh yeah. yeah it's a it's a quite a bit of work to get that done um but initially you know we got to give our give credit where credit's due you know shout out to mellow fellow cbsi ben you know over there there they did this uh top 10 list back in the day they still do it by the way and it's fantastic and they're they're incredible people over there um but they did this trending vi uh this trending list like once a month i think is at the time mm -hmm. when when i got on youtube it was back in 2018 and mm -hmm. I decided, you know, this would be kind of a cool video to do. Let's just cover the 10 books. Russ didn't want to do it. I always give him crap for that. We had like four <laughs> videos we were trying to do. Back when I could do four videos in one, you know, in one sitting because we didn't, you know, it was just, it wasn't very good content, you know, they were just kind of trying different things out. But one of those videos was, was covering this list that CBSI did and it went really well. And it was like the first time I did something where it was a noticeable change. We were throwing everything else out the wall, but when we did that trending video, it was like 10 times the views. It yeah. may not have actually been 10 times, but it felt like 10 times because there was comments and there were people who were asking about it. So by the second time we recorded it, CBSI actually reached out and was like, hey, can you officially do this for us? Like be yeah. the channel that covers it. So I would take that responsibility on every week and that would introduce me to not just CBSI, but uh, Jack DeMeo who is mm. head of like whatnot comics and action figures, et cetera, at whatnot. Um, that would get me introduced to Ben who owns CBSI, his mellow fellow on whatnot. Um, it would expand the network pretty, pretty big. And yeah, every week it's a, it would turn into a grind of what are going to be the books that are going to make the list and then understanding why that is and trying to figure out like what value I can bring to the, to the microphone, you know? And it's quite a bit of time. Um, every single week, I'll spend between three plus hours in just me doing research to try to understand what my plan is and what the script's going to be. And I'll overdo it. Every book has probably upwards half, if not half a page, close to, if not more, of just information on the book that I find interesting, some things I've talked about before, some things I've learned. I'll have to reread books, you know. I'll, I'll have to refresh yeah. myself on a comic book, you know, like what, how did that appearance actually go in the comic? Oh, okay. Cause like, you know, if a book starts to trend again, it could be for different reasons. And I go over this with an overstreet price get advisor who also owns an LCS, um, which you've already mentioned, Milgi comics, Russ bright. And we schedule, uh, you know, every week in the morning, we, right now we're filming like Friday mornings and we do the video and, you know, and we, we record it and that takes, uh, at least an hour, sometimes hour and a half, depending on how creative we're getting. And if we're, if we're sucking that day, you know, who knows things happen. <laughs> and, um, then we kick that off to an editor. Um, in the early days, I didn't have editors. Um, we've, I've, I've basically taken every dime that I've earned from all the work I've done in the last five years. And I just put it right back into either the production to better our content, 
to provide that to our community because I take it very seriously. And then if it's not going to that, it's going into the business in another way, um, whether in the form of getting better artists or, or not better, well, just big artists, exciting artists, new artists, yeah. in, you know, indie yeah. artists, trying to do new and creative things to serve the community even more. And yeah. now, fortunately, I have editors who help with that. But man, I would take every, for the first like two years, it was uh, prepping Thursday, recording Friday, editing until, you know, from like Friday until like seven o'clock at night. And then Saturday, trying to get that video out. Um, the edit on average for the trending video, and we have like professional editors who help us who've since the beginning, by the way, like since or the early days when I was learning how to do Adobe, I ended up like training that person to be our editor for this video, for example. And it'll take him like eight, 10 hours to do an edit for our trending video. So wow. um, the, the video yeah. makes less money off of YouTube revenue than we pay to create yeah. by far, like yeah. 5X more it costs to make our content than what we make off of YouTube ad revenue, et cetera. Um, which is why in the very beginning, I was like, well, you know what, I'm a dealer. I make, I'm, want to do variant comics, but also I'm hunting, I'm grading, I'm pressing, I'm cleaning, I'm, I'm organizing, I'm wheeling and dealing. Um, so I thought from the beginning, rather than look for sponsors and rather than try to like network in that realm, which would take so much more of my time and having yeah. to be like, well, this is, you know, go and buy this today, comic fam. And it's like, has nothing to do with comics, you know, it's just like to each their own, you know, whatever, whatever people have to do to like keep their stuff going. That's great. But I thought like, I can just like, I don't even want a Patreon. Like I thought about having a Patreon, but it's like, no, I don't knock people who do. Um, but also it's like, I can get comics to our community and that's what they want. So I won't take a sponsorship. I won't, I won't take money for talking about a comic book. I won't, I won't get paid to hype someone's comic and, and say, Hey, this is an ad, but it's a really cool cover. I don't do that. I talk about comics. I like, if I like the cover, I'll show it off. Um, I get asked all the time to, to, to cover something for money. I don't do it. I've never done it. Um, the reason is, is because I don't need to. And now five years in, we actually took our first sponsor, our very first sponsor in five years. And it was whatnot because I, mm -hmm. I hard see that this is like the next big thing to happen to comics since eBay's integration. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of work to do it because it's rain or shine every weekend. Um, this is what I do. If I'm at a convention, like if you see me, let's say at New York city comic con on Thursday, and I'm there for the weekend, bet your ass that night, I will be up not partying, not doing anything, not hunting, not doing stuff I want. There was a time where I found out at the bar where all my homies were, Jim Lee happened to be there. He was doing free sketches for all the peeps. Wow. You know where I was? I was in the hotel learning about some character I don't even remember in this moment, doesn't really matter, and prepping this video that I would yeah. record on the road and figure out how to get it edited. You know, at the time I did it, or if I had an editor, they would do it. And that's what I do every single weekend, whether it's a convention, there's many trending videos that I was sick and I had to do it by myself. And it's like, it's to a point now where it's like, I can't even enjoy the weekend if this is delayed. Like there's a trending video coming out tomorrow. It's being edited right now. Yeah. And I don't come out tomorrow. It's like, I can't even start my Monday, right? Like it's a problem. Like, oof. But anyways, it's a, I don't know, a little bit of an obsession, but it's also like, you're right. There's people who like, they, they wait to hear this um, analysis on the market yeah. and it helps them in their, in their quest for like, whether they're going to drop money on a comic book. And I take that super seriously. So um, I take a lot of pride in it. And uh, you know, we cover what's already happened. So 
I think it's important to have that type of insight, at least know what's going on so you don't get bit by the FOMO bug. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to create FOMO. I'm mm-hmm. trying to keep up with people so they can manage their own FOMO because we all experience it in comic books. So yeah. um, I, I take that super seriously. A lot of times things that make your list, it's not the time to buy them, right? Because it's like they're going for too much now at that point. And it would probably like you're like informing like, all right, this book's hot now. If you have it, fantastic. You know what I mean? Like dig it up. You know, maybe now's the time you want to sell it, move it. But you don't want to be buying it when it's like at its highest value. Sometimes like on your show, like even like you can track back like many, many episodes ago, you could see something that like kind of made the list and then it faded out. Sometimes some of those are better bets than ones that hit big because when they fade out, you have that chance to get it for cheaper. You know what I mean? So yeah. So that's something to know, like for anyone that's listening is like, just because something's on the top, this doesn't mean you should go, and grab it a lot of times that's the opposite it's like now is not the time to buy you know so even when like right now in the market when we had these record selling prices like during the pandemic and then now prices have dropped and people are like oh well the value is not there anymore on these things you know like comics or cards and things like that mm-hmm. on a lot of these things some of them like now is actually the time to buy some of them because they're lower it's kind of the opposite you know because it's it's like it's like the ocean like the tide will, will ebb and flow, you know? Yeah, it's You get that opportunity sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one because it's like there's a lot of individuals that make content about comics, and it's all great. But when it really comes down to it, um, if you're assessing whether or not a $1,000 comic book should go for 1000 or 1500 you have to really know what you're talking about. You have to be affluent to an experienced in actually dealing with that comic so that you can have that insight of what, what's the track record, you know? And yeah, GPA can kind of paint a picture, but you really got to know, like, you know, I'm thinking like off the cuff, like Teen Titans, uh, you know, first Nightwing, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's if you're not up on Nightwing right now, reading mm-hmm. your perception of that character is completely skewed. So when you see that book drop, you're going, well, you know, this is the market's hurting, et cetera. But at the same time, you're going, wait, this is like one of the most relevant characters right now. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to lead the JLA going into next year or going into this year. Yeah. Um, and, and it's one of the best superhero comics to come out all year long. Yeah. Um, probably a, a, a book that's going to weather a storm long term. And when a book starts to creep down to a point where it's like, well, is it is the market really like hurting so bad that this is the new standard for the book? or is it just experiencing an ebb and flow? And really, I find that covering the list every week, it's in my face. Like, I see this stuff every seven days. I'm looking at these prices and, you know, master sheets of, like, pricing. And I'm talking to Nick Colonies from Key Collector. And we're we're going back and forth. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of data that goes into, you know, coming up with 10 books. And Nick's coming up with 20 books, by the way. So so yeah. he's covering the market even larger in a larger sense with help in the team, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that type of constant analysis of the market is, it, it's so valuable. Um, my little insight, I hope, you know, shines a light on it and, and provides that level of uh, consideration that one may need before they drop some money on an expensive book. But yeah. like you said, you can learn a lot from the market too when it's like, all right, you have Dark Ride that came, that comes out, right? Dark Ride, uh, really cool book. And uh, Joshua Williamson, I believe, right? So yeah. 
the variants of that book are all horror. They're all horror themed homages to Disney movies. But unlike Stray Dogs, where it's like horror movie poster, but with dogs, it's Mm -hmm. a uh, traditional Disney poster with the characters being horrific. Right. Yeah. So we called this from a mile away. These are going to spike. These are one in 25s. They could go for $10 in a week. The average one in 25 may hit 15, 20 bucks in the first month. These ones we called, it's going to go up. However, you may not want to buy it right away. Let's see how it goes because traditionally 125s may go down a little bit. Um, And sure enough, that's what we said when we went on the mic. We tried to tell people, hey, it's really freaking cool. But here's the thing. I don't knock someone who wants to pay 25 bucks because there's also a risk that you could be wrong. Mm -hmm. What if, which we've seen this before, it was um, low low print count. What if it ends up being such a banger that that book goes from, you know, you know, will it pull, will it pull a, a Tosin, for example, mm-hmm. and, and shoot up to a hundred plus dollars in months raw? Mm-hmm. You know, like doesn't happen often with variants, but also it doesn't happen often with modern books. So when it does, well, there is a that's like a, a monetary uh, buy in. Yeah. That you have to, it's kind of redundant to say that, but it's like, it's, it's a buy-in. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're covering that risk by paying a little bit more now to ensure maybe a high grade copy. Yeah. So I don't knock it, you know, it's whatever you want to do. But when we do that week over week and we can yeah. go, Hey, this is a $50 book right now. Pre-selling for 75, maybe wait till next week because you know what? This was a open to order variant. Cause we have an overstreet advisor, but he's also an LCS owner. So he knows yeah. Hey, this was open to everybody. All those little caveats. Yeah. You no, know, it it it, le- it ends up putting someone in a position where if they have an you know a certain amount of money to spend, that that is going to be spent in the wisest way. Because you're always competing with if you're going to buy a comic, do I buy this book or this other one that I want? And that other one could be a key. The other one may actually go up in value more. So it's the more information you have, uh, the more savvy and powerful you are on the hunt. There's also the fact of like sometimes with a lot of like movie spec that'll make uh, books jump in value. Uh, it's interesting sometimes how I see certain books that like they you it's like they blatantly tell you there's like something coming in the horizon, but for whatever reason the book hasn't like really spiked yet sometimes. And then when the movie comes out or show comes out, now the book goes up in value. But like literally, like you knew it was coming. You know, I've seen that happen a lot too. I'm, I'm kind of seeing that with like like uh infinite crisis five the first appearance of blue beetle like for a yeah. while like i it's coming like they're gonna put this out but i still don't see like the like that jim lee cover like reaching a value that i think it should have right like it should yeah. be a more valuable book but when the when people see you know blue beetle on the screen i think that'll change their mind if the movie's like fantastic and you know with the the cobra kai actor they got and all that like then now the book will jump, but it's like, it was there the whole time. You saw it, you knew it was coming, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's another yeah. funny thing that that I see happen a lot. I've had that book forever because I was already genuinely a fan of, because I'm, I'm Mexican-American, so like Blue Beetle to me, Jaime Reyes was always like a cool character to me, you know? So I was already had that book, but I think it's interesting to see how that happens in the in the industry as well. That first yeah. uh, uh, Spanish lead superhero role, I believe, Right, D- DC. DC. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. DC. It's a big deal, man. It's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's it's interesting with all the all the cuts at DC, all the stuff that they like, 
Uh, like right, they had like a whole Batgirl movie that they just shelved, right? It was like yeah, done we're just something. waiting for Blue Beetle to join that list, and they're they're going full fledged. They're yeah, doing it. They're going full fledged, yeah. But I think like I think James Gunn is like reorganizing everything over there right now. And, oh yeah, um, yeah. That they're 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 reconstructing things. I don't I don't know what's I don't know what's happening. All the details of that, but I mean he's a great director. So um, I'm look. I've loved all the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff he did. The mm-hmm. Peacemaker show was was great too. So like. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with all the, all the DC stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think the, well, it's, it's pretty fun, but I think the, uh, maybe not the golden age market, but like silver age and newer, it is heavily impacted by the overall, I don't know, like opinion of the collectors of like, like, I don't know, what's the best way to put it? Like their, their reception to, mm what's happening in media as well as the movies and, and Disney plus like it, it she Hulk. I really love she Hulk personally. Mm-hmm. I watched it with a bunch of my friends. A lot of people laughed. It was like, it was a fantastic uh, show for me, but I think the collectors didn't really like, it didn't really vibe with them by a percentage that, that made that book and yeah. other she Hulk spec spike up. And uh-huh. it's like, and, and the collectors aren't necessarily who's <laughs> this is being created for to yeah. their win or not. Like it, that's not up to us. Um, I think, but I do think that like, when you think back of when WandaVision landed yeah. at that time, every week there were two, three, four, five books spiking. And yeah. people were like, Randomly, out what was happening because it was so much hype and it was so good. Yeah. And it, when it really landed with collectors. So you know, with, with James Gunn, as he said, a lot of people share those beliefs. I do too, which is why for like the last year, we've been saying over and over again, you know, DC keys are pretty underrated, undervalued. Yeah. We want to keep an eye on those. And we also said uh, horror bro- horror and Bronze Age keys um, in general, Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, The Living Mummy, you know, yeah. um, those types of books. No one's paying attention to them. Probably should yeah. pay attention to them. You know, what if Werewolf by Night happens? What if it's good? And then now look at where we're at. Man Thing is one of the top books of the year yeah. as far as the keys. And there's a handful of them because he made a bunch of appearances after the magazine appearance. And then, you know, and that goes the same for DC. Everyone's specking on DC stuff now. And that's because James Gunn is, you know, he's, he's, he's now in control and he's going to end up pulling a bunch of, I don't know, we got to call it like the Peacemaker effect. You know, yeah. back when it was announced that Peacemaker was going to be a thing, yeah. the first question i remember mentioning this on the show because there were so many books that were spiking was which peacemaker like a modern yeah which one because they would never do the classic version like really (laughs) and then key collector was actually the one who who, um who broke the news and i remember getting like seeing the news and calling nick and i'm like i know you can't tell me your sources but like really like this is happening like i i felt weird bringing Uh up someone else's like confirmed announcement from their source that they trust because i'm like man i'm gonna is it really gonna happen and then sure enough it did like no one saw that coming so because of his ability to do that now we're saying like i was talking about paste pot pete last week you know (laughs) yeah no one even knows who that character is he shoots glue out of a gun it's not (laughs) like a tube he just shoots glue everywhere and it's kind of it's kind yeah. of borderline weird, you know, like it's yeah. all sticky and yellow and white and everywhere and covering people up in sticky goo. Yeah. But it's spiking for a reason because it's like if James Gunn's behind it, then it's like, oh, well, you know what? He can make Pace Pot Pete awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like Kite Man or like uh, exactly. Condiment yeah. Man or something. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. <laughs> do, do you still have your uh, uh, your Tomb of Dracula 
nine eight. Do you still have that? Did you hold on no, to that? Oh, I don't. Oh, you I sold stole... it? Actually, you want to know what I traded for it? What? What'd you trade for it? I traded. Uh, I'm gonna take it off for you. Yeah. You can see it on camera. Can you see it on camera? Oh, uh, I can see the bottom of it. You can see. Ah, uh, I'm gonna. I don't know if I can get it off now. Oh, actually, nope. We're gonna get it off. Can we get off the set? All uh, right, maybe not. I have a journey. 83 that I just messed up here. Oh. Oh, no. Well, I hope you got that on camera. That was <laughs> oh, man. Is everything all right? Everything's good. Okay. I just smacked my head with a slab, though. That was pretty good. Oh, shit. Anyways, I have a Journey 83 right up here. Okay, and yeah. 3.0 white pager. I traded my Tomb of Dracula 1 white pager yeah. for that Journey 83. Yeah, but and, that's and, that's Thor's, right? That's yeah, the first appearance. Yeah. yeah. So, I got so lucky on that, by the way. Oh my gosh, dude. You know what? I have a horror story about that book. At the shop, I had a customer come in with that book. All right. And is like, oh, I know this is the first Thor, right? He's not a comic collector, someone who like inherited it, right? Mm-hmm. Added in a bag, no board. The bag still had the tape on it. And he he told me his price, and I was like, okay, that's a lot. You're asking a lot because you're not taking condition into consideration, you know? Yes, it is worth money a lot, but not as much as you're asking. He was asking, like, a, a CGC sold price at, like, heritage kind of price, right? All right, so he was like, no, it's still good. It's got all the pages and all this stuff because I asked him. I was like, could I check it out? And he's like, well, I'll, I'll show you. I was like, well, are you sure you don't want us to handle it? Because we're the ones that handle the comics. But I guess to kind of like show it off a little bit, he started to take it out. And he's like, yeah, I read it all the time. It's no big deal. Like condition, you're not really damaging all this other stuff. He flips it over and he like does this with the bag, right? To like slide it out on the table. Isn't thinking about the piece of tape on the, yeah. yeah. Uh. The tape gets stuck when it's coming out. So it kind of kind of flops out. He's like, oh, oh, he like kind of fumbles. And then when he tries to pull, it's like, okay, hold on. We're all like, like me and my, the other guy, my employee, we're like, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like, let us help. He's like, no, 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 I, I could do this. And, like, he, like, begins to, like, pull it out. And then, like, instead of, like, lightly trying to take the tape off or anything, he just, like, tears at it. Like, it's, it'll come off. Like, it's going to go. And we watched him shred the entire thing. Just everything. The, the whole book, like, rip in half, like, in front of us because he's pulling it from the tape and the pressure. And the, and the uh... first door right in front of us, just like, well, the, the price he asked just went down. <laughs> It was gnarly, dude. It was gnarly. Like all of us, like our hearts sank. Like when we were watching, it was like it was like watching like someone like about to like jump off a building or something. You know, it was like so like gut wrenching. So yeah, it was it was that was one of the gnarliest things that's happened like in store in front of our eyes. But and it, the book wasn't even like that that bad. But after that, after he did that, obviously it's not the same anymore. But yeah, for pretty real, gnarly. But I mean, that's a that's a giant key book, man. I mean, you know, Thor is he's one of the he's one of the the main he's one of the Avengers, you know. So, yeah, I yeah. did a I did a trade for it. Um, it was a no cash trade. It was just like cross the board, and it was I don't even remember the pricing or like about what the prices were. I would have to guess at this point. I don't know, thirteen right around thirteen thousand was right around there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, Tomb of Dracula won. It was one of like, I want to say 12, if not 11. I think it was just over 10 copies of nine eights that existed on the census. Yeah, yeah. It may have been even, honestly, it may have been eight or nine. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it was around that. It was around that number. I wish I wrote it down. Um, The reason why I don't know the number anymore is because now, dude, there's a lot of them. There's like over 20. 
if I, yeah. if I recall. I think there's like 38 yeah. nine eights. So whatever happened, and now I'm actually, now that I say that, I kind of want to know how many nine eights there are. I may have to just look that up real quick. But, yeah, um, just... uh, <laughs> but uh, it was, it, it shot up in how many nine eights there were. Yeah. And that ended up kind of having the book lose its steam. Yeah. But at the time, we didn't know what was going to happen with it. And people mm-hmm. were walking around going, hey, I have this 9-8 white pager. I'm looking to trade. And it was just, it's kind of actually kind of interesting. Maybe this may be good for peeps to know. I walked around this uh, high-end collector summit, right? Yeah. It just It was kind of a thing where it was like, you, you, you're you not going to sell dollar bin books here. None yeah. of the dealers, I don't even think they were allowed to bring dollar bin books. It was one of those types of, of uh, one of those types of conventions where like, this is where you're going to go and find your blue chip books. If you're going to get it. Was There's it the no one in LA? Um, what? This one was actually one that was hosted up here in Washington, but oh, okay, okay. it's another right. one that's actually going to be in LA. Uh-huh. Um, so I was walking around, I had brought, I had a goal of getting a, uh, a blue chip book, Silver Age yeah. blue chip. That was just kind of what I was feeling. And I brought first Riri, uh, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse variant. Uh-huh. I brought a first America Chavez, the, uh-huh. I believe it's a one in 15 variant, nine, eight. Both of these are nine, eight. At the time, three, $4,000 books, right? Um, still, they're like two to three grand right around there. Um, I ended up, oh my gosh, dude, Tuma Dracula one just hit $6,000 in a nine, eight. I just saw that. Just so you know, that's a real reaction. This book hit 16, almost 17,000 last year. Last yeah. sale, six grand. This is what I'm talking about. That book Rob, at a eight should not be going for six grand, even yeah. if there are more. That just shows you we're in a buyer's market right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. stuff is getting a little cold, but that's damn, what we're dude. talking about. That's what we're talking that's about earlier. December. Damn, six grand for a tomb one. Ooh, yeah. That's crazy. Anyways, um, I digress. So I was walking around that convention with those books, right? Yeah. These dealers. They wouldn't even want to look at them. They're like, what is that? Wow. Modern, rare, 9-8, 1 in 15. Show me the tomb one. That's all they cared about. I had a stack of books that were like, you know, like nice as modern keys, you know? Miles Morales first app, 9-8. Like I'm holding these books and they're like, yeah, whatever, you know? It's just, and we're talking the OG peeps, you know, like the OG sellers. So um, to them, it's like, it's just not, it's not the same. The, the 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 silver the 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 high end keys it's just they weren't interested in the modern the way that I was expecting them to be yeah. but here's the thing I was just telling you I, at least under twelve nine eights existed when I did this trade yeah that yeah. and I got this maybe a, less than a year ago it's been about a year okay I just pulled up um, CGC right now nine point eight do you want to give a guess and, and a year ago was about ten let's just say that yeah you guess how many nine eights exist right now. Hmm. You said, a, there was, you, said your, you said your prediction was 20, right? I said it was like it's around 20. That was my prediction. Okay. What is it, like 35? So this is the kind of stuff that people don't consider when they're talking about the market being down a little bit. Like there's oh. a lot of factors at play. And yes, the market is down because it reached yeah. such heights. And we also had like pandemic. People were at home. Uh-huh. And we have conventions. And we also have the introduction of live selling, which is the biggest thing that happened to comic books since eBay. So like, yeah. let's, people like to forget that that's happening. Uh-huh. 71 oh. 9.8s right now of Tuma wow. Dragon 1. So wow. that's what happens in this market. Like, you don't, you, you can't, you can predict a lot of things, but you can't predict that. You can't predict that there are 50 copies of 9.8 Tomb 1s just around. Wow. 
Those things are just sitting, like, like just, just sitting. Like, where the heck were those, like, pristine copies of that? Like, it's not even like that's a book that came out, like, a year ago. You know what I mean? That's pretty wild, dude. First that Dracula in Marvel, you know, like, postcode. Like, it's a big deal. It's, a, it's Neil Adams' classic book, one of the yeah. best covers of all time. No, so, I love that cover. That's a great cover. I, th I thought that was – that's why I mentioned it because I thought it was so cool when I saw you had it. I was like, dude, that's a sick book, you know? Because yeah, I, I had one, but mine was not great. It was, like, rough. Yeah. I'm going to have to buy another one, dude. Seeing these prices. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Deal of a deal on that. Yeah, you get it back. Wow. Yeah. yeah I I, uh, um, I had an Amazing Fantasy 15 first appearance of Spider-Man, and I put that in towards trade credit. Uh, this is, like, when the pandemic first hit. But I put it in towards trade credit on a TMNT1, a first print 98. Oh, nice. White pages. Because to me, that was, like, my grail, you know? So I have that. And I've had some wild, wild offers. Like, dude, at one point, the book hit a quarter mil, you know? Like, so, like, I've had some absolutely bonkers offers. And, like, I've just rejected them. Because, like, to me, that is, like, my grail. So if anything, if I got rid of everything... I, at least like that's the only thing I would keep. You know what I mean? So like it means more to me than that. I mean like plus I know if I let that go, I'm never gonna see it again. That's the other thing about that one. So like, there's just some things that are that are like that. I know like Hellboy is like real big for you. You know like you're like a, a diehard true like Hellboy fan. You know you have like the rarest of the rarest. So like you understand about like grails and your personal like you know. Oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah I got the I got the big Mignola ghost key. That that happened yeah. last year. That was, yeah, that was a good uh, good unboxing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. A cool book. But yeah, once you have it, it's it's uh, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, oh geez, you know, what's the next thing? You know, it's like it's yeah. so long. I've my first grill that I acquired. Um, believe it or not, it was never a like I've owned Hulk one eighty ones since I was like twenty. Like ain't, yeah. that book ain't anything to me the way that is to some. Uh -huh. Totally yeah. cool. Freaking to me, neither. Dude. To me, neither. The best books of the Bronze Age, but like. Yeah. Um, my first, like, Hey, I'm hunting for this. And it's taken me over 10 years to find was the, uh, 30 days a night spiral edition. Yeah, I saw so, it. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I secured that and that happened totally by coincidence. Um, some good comic karma happened, which was pretty great. Um, yeah. you know, I bought it. I didn't get it for free or something, but like, it was, uh, it was a weird story. I did a, uh, I covered a sale of an item. No, no, do you want to hear the story? It's kind of fun how I got there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So it's actually, I would say it's one of the first times that people really were loud about disliking my coverage on the mic. So it kind of all <laughs> ties together. Um, are you familiar with Previews um, 95? Uh, it's Previews 95, right? The catalog? Previews 95, Miles Morales. Yeah, the diamond one. Okay, I just want to make sure my numbers are right. Um, yeah, previews 95. Yes. Um, it's the Marvel size previews because they weren't found in the previews the previews guide mm -hmm. anymore. So they yeah. create their they created their own small individual, one, uh -huh. yeah. which was comic size, which was very unique. It's actually what makes it um, I would say makes it such a high end collectible is because it's comic size. It was something they did probably for convenience sake. Yeah. But also collectors now look back at these as well. If yeah. it's in a slab, it looks like a comic. People don't exactly. open their comics, it so it doesn't matter anymore. It's a contender to an extent, yeah. Exactly. So um, that book, that previews, um, which I have to pull that up on. I'm going to pull up the numbers on that one too, man. Got to do it. Got to do it. Um, previews. That book, um, issue 95, has yeah. Miles Morales on the cover. Yeah. And 
some people um, considered that back in the day mm-hmm. as a possible early appearance of Miles, even if it was on the cover. Now, mm-hmm. I'm on GPA right now, and there are over 100 of these previews um, guides, right? Yeah. Out of the 100 plus that exist, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine individual copies of those issues, like one, two, eight, 12, 16, 51, 64, 94, 95. Yeah. Those are the only ones that GPA has currently tracked. Yeah. So over 95% of these are completely worthless, right? Yes. For issue 95 and 94 and the ones I just named. So um, 95, the last sale it had was $4,500 at a CGC 9.8. Wow. Now that book definitely came down a bit. Mm-hmm. It was one sale. It yeah. happened in 2022, but the heights it reached was eleven thousand six hundred dollars yeah. in 2021. I remember that. Um, I'm going back in time to 2020 when this all this story happened. Yeah, I covered this book when it sold for 2K May 2000, um, 2020. Uh-huh. So when that sale happened for two thousand dollars, I went to the mic and was talking about it because like yeah. it's a weird appearance of a book to spike to two grand because yeah. people looked at it as worthless. Mm-hmm. So when it hit two thousand dollars, um. By the way, that's the first and only sale, uh, or rather, it's the first sale ever recorded on GPA of this book at a 9.8, by the way, was that one that I covered. I thought it was a notable coverage of yeah. the book. Yeah. And it was the first time that members of the community were like, it was essentially like, how dare you cover that book? It's worthless. <laughs> like, you're, you must own multiple copies, right, Tom? Like, that was when I, like, that's when the, 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 the weird stuff started happening where I'm like, oh, snap, like, people are like, you know, they think like it's for good reason. They don't trust every single person in comics because we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about expensive paper here. Mm-hmm. But at the time, there was I believe it was like six or seven that existed in 9.8. And the yeah. idea was like people are going to find these all over the place and they're going to shoot up. They're going to shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up in price. Right. Because it's, it's a $2,000 book yeah. that was worthless. These are out there. Some people have boxes of them. That's what was being said. Um, and I was just reporting on the book. So. Because there was so much hate about it. I don't want to say it was hate, but like so much like disdain and people starting to question my integrity about it. The person who actually bought the book for $2,100 hit me up. Yeah, I remember that. He hit me up and 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 he's like, can I come on the show? I just want to tell people why I bought it. Yeah. So like he came on the show. I'm like, this is a great time to do it because like people don't get it. And I get it because I looked at this as like a Hellboy's first appearance in the you know, great Salt Lake Comic Con pamphlet, yeah. like the one that we were just talking talking yeah. about, um, a book that I paid near ten thousand dollars for that people got for free back in nineteen ninety one. You know, uh-huh. um, we just went over two Dracula one numbers, right? So twenty twenty to twenty twenty two, going from like five to seventy plus copies at a nine point eight. There are currently seventeen nine eights of the Marvel preview in two years. Only seventeen. That's a rate of like five a year yeah. that graded at that rate. So clearly the book is, yeah, it's down just like every other book is down, but this one in particular, it hasn't become um, prevalent in the yeah. collector's market. That buyer of that book, he would come on and say, Hey, it's miles Morales. This is the first time he's on a cover of anything comic size. It seemed like a good bet. I'm I 2000 seemed like an intro price. Yeah. Um, regardless of if the market has gone down, yeah. that $2,100 price is the lowest the book has ever sold for since. 
So he called a great spec. Yeah. Regardless of me covering or anyone covering this book and anyone's opinions. And then I was like, after the call and after, you know, I was just telling him, Hey, I really appreciate you being honest because people don't, you know, some people don't understand. He's like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm really big fan of like these really, really scarce books. So of course he's got gobbledygook that he shows me. Oh yeah. He's got like, you know, the turtles and he's got like issue one and two. And then he's like, Oh, and I have the 30 days a night spiral. Oh, I didn't know you got it from him. You got it from him? I bought it from him. Wow. I didn't know that. It's comic karma, man. If you ever, you got to just always have these doors open with people. Always be really nice. It's like, yo, dude, if you ever decide to sell that, just so you know, that's something I've been looking for for over a decade. Wow. And he hit me up. He's like, yo, I have a feeling if I sell this to you, I'm going to be happy I did. So I'm just going to, I'm going to hook you up. We're going to sign. I bought it for a very reasonable price. What I didn't know is after he sent it to me, I would have not just a mint copy of it. Uh-huh. Um, he tried to get it PGX graded because the okay. other uh, CBCS and CGC wouldn't grade it. So uh, yeah. PGX did, but he ended up cracking it out of that case. So he gave me the label that said PGX graded at a 9.8. Yeah. But not just that. He also had on the inside of this like envelope with all with everything in it, it came with a letter, uh-huh. um, the original letter that came with the book when the stores got it when 30 days a night was being solicited yeah. from IDW and IDW says on the letter, this was part of the first printings that we are doing as a preview um, for the stores. Yeah. So this came, this just got sent out. No one knew that this would be a movie or something. Like it was just another indie comic. It had a 3000 print count. So no one really ordered this. That's less than yeah. one per store. And most stores didn't order any. So I have like the original letter from IDW saying that this is it. This is the first print, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the cool thing. That store owner didn't realize what he had. Uh-huh. So when he found it, he would go back to his computer and email IDW and say, hey, I found this. And I didn't realize that you sent it back in the day. Can I get any information on it? What's, mm-hmm. Is there any print counts that I can get? There, mind you, this is a ghost comic that yeah. people believe largely don't exist. Like yeah. there's maybe under 10 of them that exist is kind of the rumor. And no one knows print counts. No one knows any info. IDW switched hands so many times over. Yes. I mean, we're talking about a time where if a new comic's coming out, the publisher did a special spiral down <laughs> comic store edition as a gift. Like, yeah. they don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sure enough, this email from IDW, which was also like the sign off, everything's there. I have it. It's like a, the sign off and everything is the current head of IDW but from back then. Back then. And they said, oh, this is back when we used to send out Spiral Edition to try to promote books. We stopped doing it soon after. And yeah. back then, we only printed upwards of 50 copies of those at the most. Wow. So not only do I have the in- initial like letters that came with it, I have like proof from the staff that were part of that, which yeah. are no longer there. Yeah. yeah. It's just like. You couldn't get a more complete copy. Yeah, so, no, that's a strange thing, but that's how it happened. All, this all started for me covering previews 95, which, is... by the way, I shit you not. I don't know if you can swear on this, so I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> um, I haven't announced this on the show yet, uh-huh. but we do have footage that is coming out in the next couple of weeks where we're going to start talking about it. I acquired with the Golden Age Guru the biggest collection find of comics that I'll probably ever find in both of our lifetimes combined. Wow. Um, 350,000 comics. Whoa. Every era. It, it, it took up months of my life last year. No one knew about it. 
We couldn't talk about it. We were in, it took us months of negotiation. Um, but I'll tell you, this collector has been collecting for a very long time. And he collected all the advertisements for everything because he had a pull list till he passed away in 2018. So wow. he had comics coming to his house from Mile High in boxes. Yeah. From the, the 90s yeah. all the way till like the last couple of years. Yeah. He kept every catalog. Wow. I searched this house for six hours as we were unloading because we got everything. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, channel's going to be crazy. You're going to see it. You know, we got stacks of like Batman Adventures 12, man. Like I, I have stacks of static ones. Oh. Stacks of every book that you want to see stacks of. Dealer <laughs> lot. We got it all. It's amazing. Were um, those the nine eights that, that, that he had in the photo that, oh, wow. So I said, um, this is a mutual win because I have yeah. mine being graded now. And his came back nine eights. So wow. anyways, a little behind the scenes here. But I searched that place yeah. for every catalog because their catalogs were everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, and what he did was he put the Marvel catalog in the Diamond Previews catalog. Oh, wow. Every single month. So wow. I'm thinking there's no way he missed a month. He kept it all. It took me like six, seven hours to find it. And dude, I remember uh -huh. my buddy pulls up a catalog and we knew what year it should be in. Yeah. And opens it up. And there it is. <laughs> there it is. Sitting in the middle. Isn't that such a good there. feeling, dude? Like, wow, that's crazy. Like, you're like modern day explorers, my dude. You know what I mean? Like, it's. That'd be like the equivalent of like uh, uh, us being like Indiana Jones trying to go to like, <laughs> you know, I, you know, for 350,000 comics, this must have been like a, a, a freaking warehouse or something. Like, how, how do you house all that? Like, that's nuts. That's a lot. Um, he was a person who traveled most mm -hmm. of his life for his job. So his home was his, you know, like, you know, it's like, a, you know, it's everyone's home is their place. Right. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. that was his place to kind of store everything. Okay. And yeah. in his later years, he would just like, I don't know, he kind of got like sick and stuff. Like I didn't, yeah. I never met the person. Like this is his family that we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, but my understanding was that um, it like, it didn't, but like, the story about how they got to the position where they were ready to sell yeah. things out of this home that this family acquired. Yeah. It took them upwards of like six months of just cleaning to yeah. even get to the organization process of things they were going to, they were going to keep because yeah. there was so much like garbage and he was, he was hoarding, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, yeah. Were, there were stacks. I was told that there were stacks of comics everywhere, yeah. but also stacks of stamps and, and, and stacks of That's what uh, like, everything. Probably a lot of other amazing uh, records. Yeah, that's, a, that's that's the interesting thing is like, because I, I personally have attended a lot of like estate sales, you know what I mean? And like, like, you're there. Okay, I always think about this. I know you do too. Like, you go there, you go to the see these collections. And like, you go there, you know, you're looking at the comics, and you're there for the comics. But in the back of your head, you're like, dude, if I was like, really good at like, if I like, if I was like the same knowledge base, but like for records, or like you said, cards, or stamps, or books, like actual books, like there's like all these niche things and there's probably incredible things at all these estate sales that we go to all the time. And we might be there just for the comics. And even if it's a bust on the comics, for all we knew, there was like gold for the records and we just don't know it. Cause we're not, that's sure. not our thing. I think about that all the time. Like all the time. It, it's like it, you know, what I came for. Okay. It kind of sucked, but it's like, dang it. What if like everything's surrounding me? Like, you know what I mean? Like it could be like the grail. Weird, man. But if you ever want to feel weird about something, just look up uh, 
eBay sold search uh, yeah. coffee mugs <laughs> and salt and pepper shakers. Your jaw will drop. There wow. are some crazy diehard coffee mug collectors. I'll pay yeah. 50 bucks for these like Goodwill. You can find them at Goodwill types of like mugs. Um, salt and pepper shakers. There's a lot of salt and pepper shaker uh, collectors. It's yeah. like, you know, I, I compare being um, affluent in comic book knowledge uh-huh. as like speaking a foreign language mm-hmm. because you know i can show you a spectacular spider-man and i can show you an amazing spider-man yeah and you know the difference you know yeah. the difference you know um and and if i t- showed you a superior spider-man you're gonna know okay then that's the most modern one and that's yeah. doc ock in the brain of peter like you yeah. know these things that's yeah. just someone who's in the in the community yeah. but like to a standard person who just knows spider-man it all is the same it's all nonsense it's it's just all paper and i get it but it's because we speak a foreign language that's basically yeah. what it is it's like yeah. I, we, we we know what that is yeah. um and you have to like time you have to x factor and no pun intended because that's a title of a comic book <laughs> but like factor to that knowledge for every ip let alone independent stuff you know you brought up TMNT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a whole other thing too you know yeah yeah, it's a beautiful. Yeah, game. like yeah, I try to explain it to some people that like know the Ninja Turtles, don't 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 even actually know the history, like with Mirage and how they were. It was actually like a very violent comic in yeah. the beginning. Like guns it's and funny stuff how, and black and white, yeah. same bandanas and all that. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, there. ordinary questions with extraordinary individuals. What is your favorite color? My favorite color is probably purple. What is your favorite artist or band of all time? Probably My Chemical Romance would be on the top. It'd, it'd mm-hmm. probably be on top. I saw him this year, and I guess like I've seen a lot of bands live, and the closest thing to the feeling of watching them live was when I saw Iron Maiden for the first time. And I'm also a diehard mm-hmm. Iron Maiden fan as well. Yeah. Um, so I would say like probably My Chemical Romance, though, even though I don't listen to him as much as I used to. Um, uh-huh. There's definitely a, a big love for for Gerard Way and Mikey and all them. What is your favorite movie of all time? Hereditary. I got the tattoo actually. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah. King Paymon there. What is your favorite snack or dessert of all time? Ooh, okay. So my favorite snack, um, I do enjoy, what do I enjoy? I, oh, I really like plantain chips. Okay. Yeah, something I'll, it's like a try to be a little bit healthier and I'll have like, like mm-hmm. non-salted plantain chips. I'm really big on yeah. that. Um, and I do like blueberries a lot as far as a snack goes. Yeah. What is one place you have not traveled to yet that you still want to visit? I want to see the pyramids. Never been to Egypt. Um, I think that'd be really freaking cool. Um, also Peru, um, like seeing like Machu Picchu, Nazca mm-hmm. lines, that kind of stuff. There was a point where I like legit believed we were visited by aliens. Um, I don't necessarily believe that anymore, but wow, Who knows? Cool that would be. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> How'd they lift those rocks so damn high? You know, those kind of questions. I mean, really- I mean, I, I, I think I've thought about this, like, you know, like in Mexico, we have the pyramids and the pyramids in Egypt. And it's like, it's not like they're like emailing each other. Like, Hey, let's make them the same shape. You know what I mean? Like Eternals, what, man. what's going on, dude? You know, what's going on? Man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I, I have, I don't question like all that stuff. I'm not like some like <laughs> doubter and like, I'm on board with you, dude. Like I, like, Hey, anything's possible, man. You know what I mean? Like, for real, for real, it's, for real. It's, <laughs> for I mean. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like the was one thing we can all agree on, regardless if we believe like, you know, 
you know, you're trying to like think of like hypothesizing how it happened without any proof, right? Um, yeah. There was some type of intelligence lost. And I find that fascinating yeah. for as long, ago, yeah. uh, as long ago as it was without like the, the advent of like, you know, some of the skills that we've learned over the years mm -hmm. of, of our species. It's like to go back that far, clearly they knew stuff that we didn't. That's why we don't know how they yeah. did it. And I, I yeah. find that so fascinating. That, that is extremely fascinating, dude. Extremely fascinating. It's like what, that that knowledge died off at a certain point and then like everything had to get rebooted again. If you think about it, like they say like, oh, well, the aliens came and visited. They told them how to do this and that. But the, the truth is like, we don't even really know. You know, it could be, it could have been an outer being that came and, and told them how to do this or that. Or maybe like they were just so advanced and then we lost that and had to like start all over again. But either way, you can't deny that it's interesting. It's It's, it's like, that and like the fact that like they say like you know people doubt things that are in space or aliens or things that are out there in the universe when it's so big first off but then like they say we know less about like our own ocean than we do about that and it's like if we know less about our own ocean i mean some of the creatures in the water like literally that that we know exist that are in the water there's so much more bizarre in design than what we even like think an alien looks like if you really think about it you know so yeah, it's there's a it's comic tricky. book needing to be written there. I mean, I, side note, can I just uh, I I read uh, the the best Archie comic ever. I'm, I'm I hope I'm not butchering oh. the name, but um, no, I definitely good. as soon as I saw that you wrote that uh, the, the Archie narrative, I I definitely picked that up, and um, it's like the the C A I right. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, kind, of, I was right? kind of flipping it's around, just, right? Fantastic job, man. Very, I was, I, Thank as you. soon as I saw you wrote that, I'm like, oh, snap, Ruben wrote an Archie comic. So I, I actually picked that up and read it, and it was fantastic. And I'm excited to see your work with um, Melinda. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote out, the, yeah, so. the Cosmic Dream. And I have like Cosmic. about seven or eight scripts that have been fired off like missiles in, in the next, uh, yeah, the 20, I was going to say the next year. Uh, I keep forgetting we're the new year, but like, Right. Yeah, we're, we'll we'll see what what hits. Some of them are being pitched to different publishers and stuff. So fantastic! I'm looking forward Congrats, to it. Man. You know, thank you, man. Yeah, it, it's I've been I've actually been working on that for like a really long time. I just haven't like talked about it. But as they happen, I'll talk about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fantastic. What is your favorite franchise or nostalgic property of all time? Lord of the Rings, probably. There we go. Lord of the Rings, but I'm also like Power Rangers probably has like well, the most influence on me. You know, I yeah. grew up like the, the the few seasons, you know, that I, I didn't keep up with it, but Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for sure. And, you know, my name's Tom, yeah. but I went by Tommy my whole life and my family yeah. in Puerto Rico and in Buffalo, New York, like, you know, people I grew up with, they all know me as Tommy. You know, I switched to Tom when I was 18, when I, when I was trying to act older than I was when I worked in the finance industry. So it, I quickly learned it's, it's, you can get further if you, you know, if you're, if I switched my name to Tom, so I switched it. Um, but growing up as Tommy, like it was the easiest thing on the playground, you know, Oh, who gets to be the green Ranger? Like, who are you going to be? You know, it's like, yeah. like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work if I'm not the green Ranger or the white Ranger, whatever, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Dude. That, that reminds me of like when I was a kid, like the, the first Ninja Turtle I bought, before I know what their personas were and their attitudes, I got a, a Raphael figure strictly because he had the little R on his belt. Like that was the reason I there got it, it. You know what I mean? I like Not that. knowing anything. And and so it kind of reminds me like you kind of just relate to something because of uh, uh, by something that has by default. That's how yeah. that works sometimes, man.
If you could offer one last bit of advice to anyone out there trying to pursue their passions, what would it be, Tom? Trying to pursue. So they already found their passion and they're trying to pursue it. Yes. So they're not searching for something. They know this is what I love. This is what I'm here to do. This is what yeah. gives me joy and fulfillment. Um, I think that my advice would be to um, remind yourself how happy that makes you. Because mm -hmm. regardless, you're only going to be able to succeed if you're working really hard and doing it every day to the point where you, you know, may even convince yourself that you don't like it anymore because you're doing it so often. Um, but to do it every single day. Yeah. yeah it's just never stop. I mean, if it's true, I've actually talked to more people about finding their passion versus how, how to, uh, to grow it and how to make mm -hmm. something out of it, whether it's a career or just, you know, I mean, whatever, just getting better, you know, just, just wanting to like perfect something and doing something that, that provides enjoyment. I've had more individuals that just, they don't have that passion. They don't know what they like. And I think that is also something good to keep in mind that if you have a passion, you are, you're on your way somewhere because most people, you know, if they're lucky, they, 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 they tried things out when they were younger, but like, you know, when you get into you know, your adult years, it's like, you know, I mean, how much has skateboarding impacted how you think? And how you and how you operate right now? It's like, it, it, yeah, you it's know, a massive it's, impact. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, and it's not even something that you worry about as much daily as as sure as you did when you were younger. And like, same with me. But that, that's that's what it's like. You never really know how that passion is going to lead you to something new. And uh, that's another thing too. Like, just like, it's being open minded because you never know. You may just uh, stumble into a new passion that you didn't know you liked. I mean, you don't know things until you try it. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, you're, you're spot on with that because I, like one big thing that I got from skating was, you know, you get back up after you fall and you're not going to successfully do what you're trying to do unless you get back up. So it taught me a lot about endurance and, and commitment and to have a resilience, you know what I mean? And, and to to just not give up and, and understand that like failure is a part of the process. Oh, and not only that, but like when you finally land something, um, it feels greater. Like if it came too easy, it wouldn't feel as good, you know? So like yeah. that struggle to like, to land the trick and then you finally get it, you get this like relief from it, from finally working so hard and getting it, it just feels better. And that kind of translated to like a lot of the business stuff that I would do. And, and also, you know, giving me courage to not be afraid to fail in some of like my business ventures and do mm -hmm. those things. Cause a lot of those things are, they're, they're, you know, on paper, like to see them, they're pretty scary. I mean, when you, when you started, I mean, literally Tom, like you built, you built like an empire when you really stand back, you know what I mean? Like, do you ever like, do you ever like just stand back and kind of like give yourself, cause I know like we live like, you know, fast paced lives, don't we do, but do you ever like just step back and just like look at what you've done? You know what I mean? And really like absorb it. Like, wow, like look at everything going on, you know, and, and, and really like appreciate it because it's, there's so much work to it and, and it, it, it didn't come easy. You know what I mean? It took a lot of hours, yeah. a lot of work, um, so much work, you know what I mean? And, and like, and you don't, you get, you don't get that time back, but you're using that time to build something and something that you, you actually love to do. Cause a lot of people also, like you said, they never, they never find their passion or they don't know what it is. 
So when you find that thing that you love to do, you just go full speed and charge at it. You know what I mean? No, like absolutely. Whatever that is. So I always try to encourage people, no matter how obscure the thing that they really love to do, like if they, they just, I, I, I kind of always say like, you know, if it's not working out right away, if you really like it that much, just don't give up because eventually it works itself out, you know, because you just put so many hours, you just become the thing. Like you can become a professional at anything really as, as simple, as ridiculous as some things are, you can make them work. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you just, you, you build an empire off of that. Like if you would have told yourself 10 years ago that, you know, you'd have the, the success you have now and all the cool things you're doing, all the cool things you've acquired and you've seen, uh, it's a trip, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely and, uh, strange. Yeah. Expect it. yeah. It's definitely different. You know, like I think what I would, I mean, like my goals have changed, but like the, uh -huh. everything else is similar. And like, if I stand yeah. back, it's like, yeah, I do. I do recognize that I built something really special. You know, I'm very, very uh -huh. um, humbled by all the success and the support I get from the best community in the world. Um, but also the goals and, and how I view it has definitely changed because over time, the responsibilities change. So now the mm -hmm. things that give me excitement is like empowering my friends, you know, and, and empowering yeah. artists and, and, and helping the community in new ways. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a, uh, a, a lot of ambitious goals you know. I want to like be the number one creator of kids comics one day, you know, like I want to, I want to be the person who makes, you're going to do it, man. Children, you know, and we did really great last year, you know, we, we printed and donated over 4,000 children's books that yeah. no one would have ever read. And they're, they all went to children specifically who found themselves in a hospital for whatever reason, whether it's their family members or themselves, like they, they were all yeah. delivered to them done, you know, not sitting yeah. somewhere, not just made and at a nonprofit trying to figure out where to get them to like, you know, we figured out the logistics and it's like those types of things. It's like, I could have never thought that that would be important to me back then because it wasn't even on the radar of a possibility. But Hey, when I saw an opportunity to um, work with one of my best friends who was working a job he hated, you know, Ryan was um, open about this um, on the show. So I don't feel like it's a uh, me, me dishing too much about him, but he, he was working like midnight, sh uh, not midnight shifts, uh, graveyard shifts at hotels in Seattle, Washington. So like, yeah. it's not the easiest job and it's also mm -hmm. not the best paying job. And also if you want to like be social at all, working those hours nearly make it impossible. And I never thought I'd be able to like have him on board full time working with me. And not yeah. only did we accomplished that in the last couple of years, but he's officially like working with me full time so that we can make a better yeah. show. And um, and we're also writing our first comic together. Like I know so that, that would happen. And it, it was never even really a goal back then. But I guess like, you know, pursuing your passions, new things will come up. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm a very empathetic person. I really want uh, the best for everybody in my life, especially my friends. And I give a lot of people my time and that's what gives me um, you know, a lot of enjoyment. So, um, I guess just like that flexibility of, you know, just constantly trying to give back and, and, and learning new things and being open to, to trying new things. Like all that plays a pretty big role in, you know, how I view what I've built. Cause like, yeah, I know I built something huge, but really it don't feel like it. Cause this is the same old stuff I've been doing, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, Ryan gets to work with me a little bit more. Oh my gosh, my cat's here. <laughs> Just like sits down on me. Um, but uh, 
but yeah, man, I'm still in this tiny room making videos, you know, <laughs> it's just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm busy on GPA to really like have it get in my head too, you know, too much. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, you've, you've built uh, something amazing, Tom, you know what I mean? And, and you're just getting started, honestly, you know, I and like, I, I look, I look forward to you putting out uh, your book and, and when it comes out, you know, I'll be one of the supporters for sure. You know it. Um, and oh, uh, yeah. however, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be cool. And, and you have all, you have all these plugs to so many like amazing artists now too that you see that's, that's the other thing is like things lead to other things too right so like oh, yeah. even when you put something else out it's like now you have a network to cool artists that you work with this and you know I, I, like literally people that like i have that have worked for me from my store and done things with like store variants i've now like recommended them yeah. to publishers now that i'm writing and i've recommended them and then gotten them work so it's like this interesting cycle yes. that like things lead to things and things help things. And like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's all, it's all more connected than anyone would think, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what I was talking about where it's people don't really see the, you know, unless you're actively participating in the industry portion, it can get, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you just don't know, you don't know what's, what goes on. Um, and yeah. for anyone who's like interested in pursuing the creative side of things in comics like that recommendation you just gave like that's is so true um you never know the impact you'll have on someone's life by just giving them a shot um yeah i needed my website redone about mm -hmm. four years ago yeah. and because I, I made a square space and i know what i was doing um i mean i taught myself everything i do here like adobe youtube photoshop yeah. youtube like youtube university you know, Facts, yeah. youtube you know, granted, I had some other people who helped me as well, but like the majority of it was like, if I'm troubleshooting, I'm looking on YouTube and figuring it out. Um, yeah. I don't want to do that with my website. And I got an email, the same guy emailed me, Russ, Jeff, and Ryan, and to the main email, he was just like, hey, I would love to fix your website. I would love to fix your website. I'm just a graphic designer and I'd love to do it. Comic Karma. Um, the gentleman who did that, um, his name is Nate Johnson. And a lot of people know him as Nate Made It. Um, he, he had never worked in comics before. He was an artist. He is an artist and he's a web designer, graphic designer, uh, very talented dude. And eventually I'm like, yo, let's make a print. Like you're a really good artist. So he made a print. Mm -hmm. That print got him recognized by Scout Comics. He would end up doing variant covers for me. And now he's mm -hmm. done over 30 plus. Um, he's worked with Scout Comics. He currently works with Bad Idea with um, yeah. former Valiant owner Dinesh. So like, um, you know, you never know how that's going to play out. And really it all came down to just like being good to people, you know, yeah. not necessarily yeah. on my end, just Nate said, like, that was him. He was like, I want to give you something, you know? Yeah. And, and I gave him a little bit of a chance there and, and he proved himself. The next thing I know, it's like, yo, do another thing for me. Like, and, and obviously I'll pay for it. And like, let's, let's empower each other. Right. And the next thing you know, I have yeah. a really great friend who is like killing it in the industry now. And he does more comic stuff than anything else that he does. Um, yeah. so, um, it's important. It's important. And then on my end, it's also essential when I'm like, all right, I worked with Peach Momoko last year, like three yeah. times. And, um, you know, I got Raf Grissetti going in one per box this month, the God of War art director. So it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm very lucky to work with such talent. But then also I find it like my responsibility to work with other artists that people may not know because we got to spread the love. We got to introduce people to new people and give them a shot. Um, so, you know, I've worked with Johnny Desjardins over the last year more than I had ever prior because I saw him and was like, this guy is one of the most talented people I've ever seen. 
and it'd be a privilege to work with them and more people need to know them. So it's like, that's what a lot of variant producing stores, like when it really comes down to it, that's like what the grind looks like. It's like, you're trying to help discover, you're trying to support the artists, you're trying to make them happy. You try to, to provide them the, the ability to just go nuts on the canvas, you know? I'm, I'm all about really letting them do what they want to do and, and, and riffing on the page. So um, it's a weird job. It's a weird thing to do this kind of stuff, but yeah, I love it. I love it. But and I mean, it's, isn't it's art in general, like the creative, you know, gigs, they're, they're, they're already, they're already weird in themselves. You know what I mean? They're not your norm. You know, yep. um, you have to really be in them to understand them to extend in the way the process and all that works too. It's, it's a lot different, but I mean, for me, I wouldn't have any other way because there's an excitement level to that, you know, and there's mm -hmm. there, like for me, something that I do and I do, I practice this like literally like every day I, I, I try to get five big things done and I try to do I every week for sure. I try to do something that like scares me or terrifies me in terms of like, can I really do that or not? You know what I mean? I do it on purpose to push Tim myself, Ferris? you know, what's up? Are you familiar with Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss, the, uh, he's like, um, like a, is he like a motivational speaker guy? Yeah, he does is the he? 24 hour work okay. week, but like the, the five, that list of five, I do that too. I, okay. You know, okay. You said, you said, um, any tips for people who are trying to grow, to work on their passion? Uh -huh. like we said a lot of good uh -huh. things, but like, you want a really, really good tip. Um, that right there is one of the things I recommend most five things a day. Cause if you only get two of those things done, that is going to be huge going into the next day. And then you do, you keep adding it. You go five, but only five things. And really what that means, you know, I know that's kind of like a, a silly work process thing. And some people may go like, oh, you know, I don't know if that's actually going to work. It's time management. That's actually mm. the key in life here. Like with, as far as mm -hmm. figuring out how to do things and like really maximizing your work ethic and, and passion in life. I think that it really comes down to time management when you, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I do the, same get, thing. the five things I, I, that's funny. You say that I tell, I, I give that recommendation a lot. Yeah. I just, uh, you just knock them out and, uh, I just write them down and it's like, I'm, even, even if they're as simple as like, uh, get all these emails out and that's one, mm -hmm. well, you got all the emails done. You know what I mean? Like okay, that you finished yeah. that. And then if, yes, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, they're all different, all kinds of different things that they could be, whatever it is, everyone's going to be different, obviously, but mm -hmm. like you write five things you really need to get done that progress you and you know what I mean? You don't let a day go to waste. And like, by the end of your week, you're like a super soldier or something. You know what I mean? You're just like, boom, boom, boom. It all added up. And you're like, things start happening, you know? And like I said, like, for instance, even like with the scripts thing where I said, like, there's like seven or eight that, but like, I'm not going to see them come to fruition for a while. So you have to shoot them off like missiles and eventually they'll hit eventually. Right. Right. But I can't just be like waiting for them to hit. I put them out there and then I get back to work on whatever it is I'm working on. And the same thing with you. You got your ideas, but you got to keep work going, you know, but you always got something on the horizon. Absolutely. And I also think that that not only progresses you and builds your success, but, um, you know, it keeps you motivated and it keeps things exciting. And like, you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. You, you build and grow from there, you know? So, um, but yeah, Tom, I mean, you got, you got so many, so many great things coming and, um, and yeah, I mean, Tom, is there, is there anything you want to like, um, plug or, or, or leave our, our listeners with here before, sure. before we round it here? Sure. You can find, um, you can find me on all social media, pretty much. I'm going to be on TikTok even more going into the next year or rather going into this year, uh, comic Tom yeah. on all of them. Um, you can give me an excuse to send you comics every month by going to the website, comic Tom 101.com. 
Um, you know, we make, we work with some really big talent and we try to make some damn cool exclusives and we sell them. My, my goal is some cheaper than anyone else in the community, you know, trying to provide a lot of value to the, um, first the fans and, and, and the peeps that give me, uh, the, the, the motivation to do what I do every single day, you know, the people I serve, you know, but also, you know, we're trying to get back to the combo community at large, you know, making kids books every single month, trying to do some big things and, uh, get kids into reading. It's how I got into reading. Um, yeah. This year is going to be about um, like, like specifically honing in on making a lot more kids books and getting books to veterans as well. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess if I had like one thing to plug is to pick up a comic book, read a comic book yeah. this year. Like, you know, I feel like every year I don't read enough, even though I do read a lot. And I can't imagine, you know, some people's pull box. I know there's a lot of members who get comics every single week and they're always picking them up at their LCS, but break them open take a look at the books, get some reading in, you know, it's so easy to just get caught up in just collecting. It's easy to get caught up yeah. in, in, in YouTube and, and reviewing and the commentary and the drama. It's all great, whatever. But like comics are there to, uh, it's like the number one goal. And I, I mean, Johnny Kate said this on a, on a, on a show one time, and it's such, such a, such a true statement. It's to like offer you a way to like escape your reality and really enjoy yeah. something. It just like, it pulls you out. I get the same feelings when I play video games, for example, like I can mm -hmm. shut off everything and I'm playing a shark, you know, and man eater yeah. or something, you know, I'm going to go pick up a stray <laughs> today because I want to play a cat because okay. the cat's all over my table right now, walking around freaking out. He wants some treats or something. Um, but like pick up a comic, read it. You know, that's probably my biggest recommendation because there's some damn good comics coming out, yo. Some yeah. Damn good ones. Yeah. In, in, uh, in 2022, do you have, like, what was, like, the best comic you read that you recommend that came out in the year that oh, you enjoyed? I'm loving Nice House on the Lake. Okay. Um, James Tinian. Yeah. Poison Ivy was just a – wasn't expecting to enjoy it so much. Um, uh -huh. I'm starting – I know I like a book when I start to read it slow, and I don't want to, like – I'm not yeah. somebody who's like, oh, the next – it's coming out on Wednesday. Like, no, no, no. I'll just, like, I'll wait a little bit because I like to – slow burn it i like to have to reread earlier issues because i'm like wait what happened because you know i get more use out of the comic if i read it more than once sometimes but uh eight billion genies is like one of the best books that came out this year it's hilarious it's a lot of fun um yeah poison ivy great i, I recommend a net nightwing um damn dc killed it uh, world's finest everyone's yeah. got to read world's finest especially if you're someone who's like i want a superhero story but i want something that doesn't feel like a modern superhero story because it's like, yeah. it's like so bombastic. It's so all over the place, Batman, Superman. Like it feels like a silver age comic written in the modern age. Um, so I yeah. definitely recommend world's finest um, black Panther, you know, definitely cool with like Tosin, who's a really damn cool character, you know, like tattooed uh -huh. vibranium and he's, you know, he yeah. doesn't have the same type of uh, uh, a mindset as other Wakandans, but you, you got this like almost political thriller spy narrative happening in Wakanda. You know, um, really recommend Black Panther. Um, a lot of some people didn't care for Hulk too much, but you know, I still I still think it was a fun read. Um, you know, you're you're finding out the Hulk's Hulk, and uh, you know, Donny <laughs> yeah. Kate's taking us on a wild ride. Uh, <laughs> uh, crossover doesn't get enough love. It doesn't get enough love. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant comic book. Um, and the, and the later you get in the in the in the series, the more mind blowing it is. You see how much of a creative genius Sir Kate's is. Um, independent books that i would recommend i mean anything that uh porn sack piece of show writes 
Um, Good Asian kind of ended at the tail end of 2022, I believe. So technically it's a 2021 book, but read Good Asian. And once you're done with that, read yeah. Infidel. Those are just like, he's, he's a genius. Um, Silver Coin is a, okay. is a series. And it's uh-huh. a, you know, it's like you get a, you get this coin and then it just like, you know, kind of fulfills your wishes, but then it's at a cost, some EC vibes there. Um, yeah. Really recommend that because it's a new writer on each issue and they're all unique. Um, Daredevil, um, Chip Zdarsky, like, oh my gosh, easily one of my favorite yeah. writers right now, by the way. I don't know if you've ever watched any of his videos he makes. Have you seen any and of his videos? Is, is he's do- he, and not only that, but he's doing a DC and a Marvel book, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's like he's baller, he's dude. he's doing the crossover, the rare crossover, huh? Yeah, he's, he's between he's the big both. two, doing yeah, both. He's a freaking Batman right now, yeah. And like the dude just he killed it all last year, and you have to check him out on YouTube because he makes these high end edited videos. And this dude, he actually can act. Like he does uh-huh. skits about writing, and it is. It's so funny. Like as a writer, you're gonna freaking die laughing because he'll <laughs> yeah, check it out. He's just like it's just so meta and funny. Um, but and then you're like, oh, this guy's writing Batman, like hot damn. Which by the way, yeah, I like this Batman run more than James Tynan. Yeah, run on yeah. Batman, which is uh-huh. really saying something because I, I I love Jimmy T. Like that that yeah. guy is 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 next level writer. Uh, one of my favorite books of all time is Mimetic. And it's a three okay. issue. Yeah. Really, he's a kind of a part of a yeah. larger thing we did, but with the sloth, right? That's the cover oh, with the sloth yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a book that everyone's got to read. So I don't know. There's some recommendations for you. I hope that works. Fantastic. And before we send it off here, Tom, when does your book come out? I'm actually really excited about that. Uh, Crash Down. Um, I'm co writing it with Fire Guy Ryan. Um, uh-huh. We somehow got my homie. I mean, I know how he did it. He's, my, he's like a really good friend of mine now. Um, but Ben Temple Smith, the uh, 30 Days a Night co creator artist um, on, on our book. Uh, we have like a you know, living legend drawing our, our story. Um, and it's being edited by Michael Calero, who wrote Quested. He's the artist nice. for Alpha Betas, and he's the co owner of Whatnot Publishing. So um, oh, we have okay. a, a really powerful team and like yeah for us yeah. to do something which i hope is not crap like, like we're, we're pretty excited according to our editor and our artists like they're, they're digging what we're doing so yeah um, this is my first crack at it and uh you know i have a very horror root i have a lot of horror roots that's just my favorite yeah you know, i like superheroes and stuff but my favorite comics and really anything especially like movies and stuff is stuff that makes me feel super disturbed and you know I, I'm, a, I'm really big into like body horror and you know, weird stuff, stuff that a lot of people don't care for. I think that's kind of my, my jam. So um, we're draw- we're doing something that's in the realm of like sci-fi horror, Lost meets Alien is kind of, was our, was a kind of our, our, you know, when we stood back and looked at our script, we're like, oh yeah, you can tell that we were big into like, you know, Ridley Scott kind of stuff, you know? And, and, yeah. And uh, that kind of thing. So um, the book is, uh, it's interesting. We are going to be the... What not publishing teamed up with Heavy Metal Magazine. Oh, Heavy okay. Metal Magazine is now going to have a big part of their distribution. I don't know, like the 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 ins and outs of it, but they're they're intertwined with What Not Publishing now. Um, Heavy Metal is a major, major, yeah, uh, major book, historical, you know, piece of content that comes out every single month, and everyone should be subscribed to Heavy Metal. It's a very important thing, right? Um, yeah, it's the seventies that they came out. So um, Heavy Metal and whatnot have like combined and become allies and distribution, things like that's happening. 
Heavy Metal is going to be restarting their sequence numbering in February oh. of this year. It's going to start okay. over with number one. And if you, you could order, you could have ordered the new issue one of Heavy Metal um, in previews last month. Um, yeah. One of the variants of those brand new issue ones that are coming out is our cover for Crashdown, and that's the name of the book that Ryan and I wrote. Um, we are awesome. the very first whatnot publishing heavy metal magazine creation to debut wow. heavy metal. So you'll be able to get a taste um, of half of issue one um, in the heavy metal issue one that's going to drop should be in February. Um, nice. Maybe March. I think maybe they, they pushed it to March 1st, some, something like that. Um, and then in issue two, you'll get the rest of issue number one. You know, they, they do half in one and half in the other. Yeah. Um, and then around March is when we're going to go into solicitation for Crashdown issue one. We have written a three-issue story about um, humans arriving on the new planet after Earth dies which we kind of even talked about a little bit, <laughs> like kind of around, kind of, a, yeah, see, see my, my, my influences here in this, in this show. Yeah. But yeah, um, March, April, I mean, if you follow me, you're going to, you're going to hear about it. Cause I'm going to be telling everybody to order it if they want to support and uh, hoping to do a lot of store variants and like, you know, get our, get our comics out there and, and do something. Yeah. But, but March is going to be in previews and it should come out June, July, August, you know, issues one, two, and three. Hopefully a collected edition, maybe with some extra backup stuff later on in the year. That is exciting, Tom. I'm definitely gonna pick that up for sure. Thank you so much, Tom. Man, what a what a what a what a treat to talk to you. Um, Long overdue, my friend. Yeah, right. I know, right? And we'll see each other uh, at at a show some point in 2023 somehow. And the new year is upon us. Both you and I keep forgetting it was 2023 in this episode. We kept referencing well, <laughs> the, the yeah. past. It just shows yeah. you how busy we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, this is the first episode of the new year, which is hey. cool too. So we're, 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 we're setting it off right here. Oh. Hey, there we go. Get the sound bite. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. Thank you, Ruben. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. And I uh, appreciate you. And to all our listeners, uh, I'll, I'll put the, the links and social medias for, for Tom. So you can give him a follow and check out his amazing content. And that's it, my friends. Thank you so much. See you comic fam. Thank you for listening to this episode of passions personified. Happy new years, everybody. I just want to thank everyone that has tuned in since day one, or if this is your first episode you're listening to, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have one heck of a 2023 coming full of amazing episodes that you're going to enjoy and uh last before we send off here um once again may your dreams come true follow your passions never give up okay and i hope this show helps you in some way to help you stay motivated or to gain inspiration from some of the guests we have um you know i'm gonna be here uh you know churning out these these episodes here okay we're all in this together and uh positive vibes all around and that's that's how i want to send it off here an extremely positive note okay so from me to you thank you and happy new years let's go